Welcome to today's episode of the Virtual Business Generating Good Summit, where we'll explore the concept of advocating for good. My name is Nicole Crone, and I'm the president of the Ohio State Student Organization Business for Good, which focuses on exploring the intersection of social impact in business. I'm so excited to be hosting Yaira Tamaklo and Jennifer Cable from the Pan-African Library Project, otherwise known as the POW Project. To start us off, can you each share a little bit about your background and what your role is within the POW Project? Yes, my name is Yara Tamaklo, and I am the birth giver of the project, essentially. My name is Jennifer Cable, and I joined the PAL Project with Yara last October at the Give Back Hack Global 2020. Very awesome. So Give Back Hack is actually where I first heard of the PAL Project as well. For those of you who don't know, Give Back Hack is an amazing organization in the Columbus area that is really trying to be a launch pad for social innovation ideas. So individuals get the chance to come together in a weekend or a week, depending on the year and the format, and you join a team and then you get to work on that team and learn about design thinking and ultimately pitch for prize money at the end of that period. So a really great opportunity. I heard Yaira pitch at this event and I loved it. And I, when I was thinking about topics for the specific podcast, she came to mind as someone who I would love to talk with and very cool that Jennifer was able to join that team as well. So Yaira, will you tell us a little bit about how you started the PAL project? Where did this idea come from? Thank you for the question. The PAL project was truly birthed out of a frustration. As an immigrant, I am blessed to find myself on a crossroad. That is, I am very much connected to the African continent, specifically Ghana, which is my home. And I also have a second home, which is in the United States of America. Now, the frustration started when I was trying to find cultural material, because I'm very big on learning about different communities and different cultures and how they do their things. It always fascinates me. But when I was searching, I came to find out that it was very difficult to find a lot of these materials for especially the less unknown cultures, which I know about. So I know of some of these things because I was born in Ghana. So essentially, I decided to do something about it because I realized that if these things that actually shape us as individuals, especially as Black people around the world, are difficult to access, how are we supposed to really learn about ourselves or even each other in a way that is truthful and honest and in the spirit of community building. That really is what sparked the PAL project. It was birthed out of a frustration. It's so awesome that not only did you understand that frustration and that was at the top of your mind, but you were able to set out and actually go and do something about it, which is an entirely different thing in itself. But (laughs) transforming those frustrations into the PAL project What are you all trying to offer now to support people in the Black and Pan-African communities? What we are doing is we are creating a space that the different cultures, the diversity within our cultures can actually be learned and shared in a way that is, again, truthful and holistic. And I keep bringing those words up because a lot of sharing, quote unquote, is being done. But a lot of this sharing that happens is through mainstream media. Now, mainstream media has their own agenda. 
they are not necessarily going to be as diligent to tell certain narratives so we are now creating a space where we can bring actual individuals and actual materials from these different cultures and make it accessible to the most important demographic that goes with any movement or i like to call this revolution that is our kids starting with our kids so what we're doing is we're we're actually running a beta right now in columbus city school and we have teachers from the continent of Africa come into the classroom to engage with the kids. And the transformation is amazing. So we are just creating that space for this teaching and learning to happen, and not just with educators and material, but also with peers. So we want a way for our kids to be able to interact among themselves, knowing that there are other black and brown people outside of their local communities with whom they can interact and learn about the worlds and the world in which they find themselves essentially. Wow, that is super inspiring. In terms of this program, this beta test that you're doing at the schools, what age are the kids that are being able to interact with these outside individuals? And do you see this as something that would be beneficial for students from elementary school to high school or a specific age group? Honestly, the interaction will benefit everyone. But currently, we are in an elementary school because the teacher with whom I connected, who was gracious enough to allow me into a classroom, is an elementary school teacher. So it's a fourth grade class. But we have been in conversation with high schools and middle schools in different school districts. And Jennifer can actually speak to that because she spearheaded the conversation with the Westerville school. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Jennifer to speak to that. So I have been working with some educators in the Westerville public schools, and I've been working with them at the high school level, and they have been very interested in the vision of the PAL project and bringing history and culture of Pan-African countries into the high school setting, particularly social studies. Some of the high school students at Westerville Central High School have equity groups that they belong to and they're part of. And we have joined with one of the student leaders in those groups. And she is going to coordinate with us to get some students together. And then we are going to collaborate with high school students from countries in Africa to start a dialogue, which would be good for the kids to learn about each other, find out what their similarities are, and discuss cultural events and things that are happening in their lives at the present time. I love that. That is so cool. My sister is an elementary school teacher down in Cincinnati, and I know that this is something that she would be totally on top of and interested in. She teaches in the school district where we both grew up, and it's a very diverse community, and I think that it is just so important for these students to be able to have connection points, to be able to see themselves in the books that they're reading and the curriculum that they're interacting with, because that's equity in itself. That's having an understanding that you are as valuable as the other students in the classroom. Exactly. So this is something that we are doing, especially for our kids to see that there are other people who look like you who are not necessarily in your community, 
but believe it or not they might have so much more in common with you than you think because a lot of the time the kind of narrative that is shown to us black and brown folks about each other are far from what i would approve or what many other people would approve so we are here with a lot of stereotypes about each other but that is as a result of what mainstream media keeps feeding us about each other and i think that the unfortunate part is that a lot of people probably have absolutely no idea that exists there's a whole layer of complexity that people just don't understand especially white people who are provided with information that is relatable to them in most cases. I know that in your give back hack pitch, you said a tree without roots is a stump of firewood. That's how you ended it. And I think that really caught a lot of people's attention, but I would love to hear what this means to you and why it is important to the POW project. So the reason why we say a tree without roots is a stump of firewood or is just firewood. We can go on and be more complex. A tree without roots is just furniture. A tree without roots is essentially something that will not regenerate. The trees that bear fruits, trees with roots, because they are deeply grounded into the soil, thus they have all they need obviously there are some external factors like sunshine and you know water and other things that contribute to a tree growing healthy and bearing fruits so by saying a tree without roots is just firewood or a stump of firewood we are putting into context here that as black people globally we are rooted, whether we like it or not, with each other. Now, if you happen to be a person who is separated from your identity, there is a lot that someone else can come in and impose on you because you don't know yourself. And a lot of that happened involuntarily through things like slavery and colonization at no fault of the people who were on the receiving end of this. But also there is education and education in this day and age is paramount to moving forward in anything that we do. So by using this particular phrase, it's a call to action to our people that look, all these hundreds of years that things got taken from us, we had to conform to different ways of doing things in order to survive some rather not so pleasant experiences. We have the opportunity now to try to rewrite and restructure a lot of these things that have happened. Because if we don't dig in deep to define our identity candidly, we will keep getting things imposed on us. There's a phrase that you might hear if you talk to some Pan-Africanists or even just people who do a lot of reading. It's called neocolonialism or neocolonization. So it's the concept around essentially the old fashioned understanding of what colonization is no more, but there is still neocolonization happening in a lot of the content that many of us, especially on the continent consume. It is something in the understanding 
of people aspiring to be Western-like, whatever that means, and that being the ideal, and things that are associated to you as an indigenous person, an African, not being civilized enough, not being proper. And this is just surface level explanation because it gets deeper than that. It's as simple as things in the textbooks that we give our children. I grew up in a place where when they taught us about our cultures in our social studies textbook, now that I think about it, I ask myself, what? because they paid little to no attention to the the depth or even the diversity within the cultures in these textbooks. And then we keep feeding this to our children. And our kids grow up with this kind of understanding that aspiring to be Western is the ideal to shoot for. So if you're separated from your identity, anyone, anywhere can come and tell you how to be. So it's important that we are very grounded in who we are, and that is our culture. Our culture is the very foundation of who we are, what we will become, and where we will go. Everything else comes after that. So by setting a solid foundation around our culture and making the effort to now extend that learning and sharing process to other people who look like us and their culture, we are able to draw on our similarities, acknowledge the differences, but then pull on these similarities as strengths to propel the global Black community, period. And so if you're a tree without roots, you are not going to bear fruit. In order to move, we need to start from the basics, and that is our culture. Wow, I really love that analogy. I think that it is so telling of the situation that is currently happening within this community, the need to break the cycle of teaching younger people and imposing things on younger people that probably aren't representative of their identity or their culture. So I love that. Jennifer, taking a really big step back, when you first heard Yaira's pitch and maybe you talked with her at Give Back Hack, what pulled you into wanting to join this team and support this project? When I heard her original pitch for Give Back Hack, I was really drawn to her passion. And also, I have an interest in history and culture, which I think is very important. And I think her message of recognizing history and culture in Pan-African areas is very important because the African culture has been underrepresented and overshadowed for so many years and, and probably centuries by Western and European cultures. So I think it's a great way to help bring these cultures alive. That's great. So in terms of the podcast that we have the chance to record for this summit, it's been really exciting because one of our topics is surrounding around advocacy and really trying to figure out how we can advocate for good. And so I would love to hear how you each personally define advocacy and what this means to you. So when I think of advocacy, I think of leveraging spaces for people that might not be able to either put themselves out there. And I, I don't want to use the word fight because advocacy is not always about fighting. Sometimes it's about bringing attention. And I'm usually very good with scenarios because it paints vivid pictures. Advocacy is almost like 
a platform. So when you have a podium, when you have an event and there's a podium or there's a stage, not everyone is able to go on that stage. Only certain people are usually able to go on that stage. And sometimes we find ourselves in positions where we are on that stage, behind that podium, with that microphone. And that's what advocacy is about. Because in that moment where you have that attention, you have that stage, you have that podium, what you do with it can become advocacy. So advocacy is just leveraging the space and the opportunity to speak up and bring attention to things that otherwise might not be heard. And even sometimes, even if it's being heard or seen or spoken about, just being an added voice to it and not just speaking to it, but also doing the work that comes with it, doing the work that comes with that, because lots of people talk, but how many people actually do? So advocacy is combining the platform of being able to speak up for things and communities and people that need that representation or that could use that representation, but not just ending at that, actually rolling your sleeves up, doing the work that comes with it to create equity for these communities and these individuals. And advocacy doesn't always have to be over the top. It can be in the simple things like engaging with a community and literally sending the message of what they, their needs are from point A to point B. So when I think of advocacy, I think about speaking up, but also doing the work that comes with speaking up. I love how you said that lots of people talk, but not many people actually go ahead and do it. I think that there's so much power in that. Again, it's easy to think that we should be advocating. It's a complete other thing to know how to take action to, again, inspire others to work directly with communities who you need to be advocating for. Jennifer, is there anything that you would like to add to that? Advocacy to me is something that you believe in and that is good for the public. It has a cause to it. And again, like what Yair was was mentioning about people doing things, when I feel like I have a passion for something, I feel like I also have maybe a, a responsibility or an obligation to fulfill that or to make people aware of something. So that's something that's important to me. That's great. I think, Yaira, when you were talking about earlier this concept of roots and really how roots and culture are so entangled with one another, I'd love to dive into kind of this concept of advocacy and it's important when it comes to equity. You talked a lot about how it is important to advocate for the Black and Pan-African community and really boosting their culture, but how does this play into creating an equitable society? There is no cookie cutter answer for this question, but backtracking again to when you asked me about a tree without roots is firewood, I did emphasize that a community or a group of people who are separated from their identity can have anything imposed on them. As a black community, independently, we have our own cultures, that is ethnicities, our nationalities, even the continent on which we inhabit. However, one thing remains 
we are a unit globally and black people all around the world are one of the most disrespected populations and so if we really are going to move past the numerous forms of systemic oppressive justifications that had been used to keep us down and they still do that because if you saw how a lot of populations speak about us it's appalling we have to truly work as a unit so by advocating for my people and using the culture really as the vehicle to drive this i am collaborating with the community for us all to create spaces for us to get to know each other now let me ask a question when you have a neighbor and you don't know your neighbor what are the chances of you actually being able to do anything with your neighbor and i'd like you to answer this actually i would say very limited right i think that it goes back into i'm probably going to stereotype them based on what i think and it, there's a huge chance that it's not actually accurate so i think that overall collaboration is just not going to be available it's it's not going to be able to happen if i don't take the time and the energy to actually go and get to know them exactly the point so by using the culture as the vehicle and us coming together to create the spaces where we get to know each other in a way of truth we all have the good the bad the ugly the nasty we all have it but we will not know this and we will keep thinking we are separate entities until we have these conversations and have these spaces where we exchange our cultures and the things that make us who we are and when we do this we are taking one true holistic step into a paradigm shifting revolution of building that global pan-african community and that's why it's important to do the work we are doing yeah I totally understand that and I think that it makes so much more sense the way that you're framing this of again you have got to have an open mind for one thing an open heart about meeting people and likely having your ideas and viewpoints shifted once you actually interact with them but as a white person and as a person that is not mm-hmm. part of the black pan african community I think that this is a hard question to ask right now in the right way but how can we be better advocates for this community are there resources are there mindsets what would you suggest as ways for us to get involved and really again start to shift this mindset of pushing our own culture onto the culture of others thank you for asking this and i appreciate you asking this and i think the first thing that a lot of members of the like a lot of white people or people who don't belong to the pan african community can do is one first acknowledge the things that have happened history is past but it affected everything that we are and have today so by acknowledging the gruesome acts and, and everything that happened you are saying i know this is what my people did and i am acknowledging it sometimes you hear people say it happened years ago get over it don't ever do that that is the wrong way to ever approach so first acknowledge and then admit you don't know rather than make assumptions even if you think it's always good to ask questions because when you ask questions you have a higher chance of being educated because granted you do not belong to this community 
so you can in no way shape or form truly relate to their experiences but you can try to empathize but that only happens when you ask questions and you're really open to the answers that you get and when you ask the questions be ready for the brutality and the honesty that might come with the answers it may be things you might not necessarily be comfortable hearing but if it makes you uncomfortable it's a good sign it means there are things you need to question about your place and your privilege and now realizing the privilege that you have and working with the people you want to be allies with to use that privilege to help level the playing field so first thing is acknowledge history history may be past but history is still very present every day we create history so acknowledge the history that was created and know the history that might be created after today after tomorrow because after tomorrow passes it's history so acknowledge all of those things and then know that you don't know know that you don't know you can never claim an expert on someone else's community so know that you don't know and approach the members of the pan-african community with an open mind be willing to learn and then be willing to use your position of privilege in the community because even if you don't admit it the system of most western societies were set up to favor white people and that alone is a privilege that works in your favor so by being aware of this you're now able to leverage that and work with members of the pan-african members of the black and brown community to help level up the playing field thank you for explaining it in that way that i think is digestible. We have been able to make some progress over this last year in terms of starting to have conversations that are more challenging that we are able to start digging into more resources, more understanding. I have been personally working hard to try to have a better understanding and to approach my privilege in a different way. I think that one of the things that is still holding some people back is not necessarily knowing how to respectfully have conversations with people about this topic. So if someone was interested in having one of these conversations, how would you suggest that they start that? What would make you feel the most comfortable with someone starting a dialogue about these things? For me, I'm actually very easygoing. But first thing I'll tell you is before you come to me, check yourself. Check yourself. Check the biases you're coming with. You understand? And we all have biases as individuals, and that's okay. Our biases are shaped by experiences and the things around us. That's fine. But check yourself because if you're coming to me to have a conversation, you better approach me respectfully because I make it a point to be respectful of everyone in my life regardless of where you stand so if you want to learn approach from the angle of i want to learn let's have a conversation because there's still so much that even as a person of color i don't know because i am an african immigrant so even learning about black experiences which i every day still learning is always so fascinating because there are differences in these experiences 
That's why, again, I say check yourself and think of the biases you're bringing to the table and most importantly, approach from a respectful angle. But just be honest with yourself. And if you don't know something or you want to get a better understanding of something, just start a conversation respectfully, of course. But then while some people might be open to having these conversations, it's also important to understand that some people might be a little more guarded. So if you approach someone and they seem very passionate, they are very passionate, which they ought to be about a topic. You cannot now turn around and be, oh, this person was coming on too strong. So again, checking yourself before you come into this conversation, expect anything, really expect anything because lots of people and lots of particularly our brothers and sisters in the diaspora have had to live a very gruesome experience. So they are carrying ages and you know, years and centuries of pain, some of which is still not being addressed in 2021. So these are very touchy subjects. So if you come asking a question and someone gets really into it and they get passionate, you cannot now turn around and say, oh my God, we're being aggressive. So again, before you start this conversation, make sure you're mentally ready for this. Going back to check yourself. We want to share with you. We are more than happy to teach you. We are more than happy to let you in on this conversation. But you cannot come into this conversation with certain expectations of how the conversation should go. Absolutely. Thank you for explaining that. To tag this back into the POW project, Jennifer, would you be able to share about some of the other programs or things that you're currently putting together outside of engaging with the curriculum at school districts? We started a culture class, which takes place on Saturday mornings, and it involves focusing on a particular tribe or culture from an African country. And the class is conducted by a teacher who is knowledgeable in the history and culture of that tribe or that the country or geographical space. So the class lasts for about an hour and a half. And it's just a general overview of the history, maybe talking about the different foods or style of dress or language or songs um, of from that tribe. At first we were thinking it would be attracted to for children to listen to, but as we learned and the series went on, mostly adults attend the class. I've attended some of the classes and it's a great experience and I've learned a lot. I just kind of wanted to add on to what you were talking about previously, talking about when I first joined the PAL project. I initially was attracted to the project because of the history and culture component. After I joined it, I realized that as a white person, I had a lot to learn. And I think it's been a great experience for me to learn things. There's some things that I've been ignorant about, that I've learned. And our team is comprised of most all women of color, except for me, we're all women, but yet I provide a different perspective and diversity, I think, which really brings more dimension to our team. I'm very grateful to be part of this team and to to continue to learn. 
That's awesome. So in terms of these cultural classes, is this something that anyone can participate? And if so, when would be the next series of these classes that people could engage with? So actually, it's still ongoing. We are ending the first series the end of March. So if people want to join, it's every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. The links to register are on a social media. So on Instagram is the underscore p dot a dot l underscore project. And on Facebook, you can find us on the PAL project as well. We're actually on LinkedIn too. We have an official company page. We have them Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So the first series ends end of March and just keep up with our social media because we anticipate having another series sometime later this year. That's definitely something that I would love to check out in the future, maybe once you guys start up that program again. And so I hope that our listeners will also engage with you all, follow you on social media and watch your journey in the upcoming months and hopefully years. But I would love to transition this to talk about what your vision is for the future of the PAL project and what people can be excited about seeing in the future. So imagine you have a 10, 11 year old able to pick up a phone or able to sit down and tell you, I my friend in Zimbabwe or my friend in Ghana, we were talking about this and we're talking about that and we're talking about this. And then we have our teenagers having, because when you have your high school kids, they're a lot more developed than our elementary school kids. So having them have very forward thinking conversations with their peers in different communities and they're able to mention distinct things about different cultures, not just in Africa, but in the Caribbean, because we are working in the diaspora as well. Our vision is to create a world like that, a world where as Black people, you know, people of African descent, we're not separated from each other. And that conversation goes beyond just those who have the privilege of traveling outside to these communities, a world where our kids can talk about different communities that's inhabited by people who look like them. That is the kind of world that we are creating. And above all, while doing this, we're also doing heritage preservation because the vision of PAL is to create that one place, that go-to place that if you want information in a digestible way, keyword, digestible way about the different members of the Pan-African community, you can access it. And I use the word digestible because some of this information is available, but in academic journals. And we're not going to go into the politics of academia and how it was built because the average person doesn't have access to these platforms, this academic platform. So our vision is to truly build that sense of Pan-African community because that is what's going to drive our development as people of color. So the Power Project's vision is to expand on that community. In, in the future, we should have Power Project, US Power Project, Ghana, Power Project, Nigeria, Power Project, South Africa, Power Project, Zimbabwe, Power Project, Trinidad and Tobago, Power Project, Jamaica. Power Project should be everywhere. It should be a household name. It should become a household name. I think that is awesome. And I really look forward again to seeing what you all develop to 
being able to go and access these resources to share with people who have younger kids, whether they be part of that Black Pan-African community or whether they are just interested in learning more. One thing I would say is we are doing this for the, the Black community, but everyone is welcome. So long as you're willing to learn, you have an open mind, you're welcome to partake in this because the more the merrier. But it's important to know that until we tell our own narratives and until we include the most important demographic in these equity conversations, that is our children, things will seldom change. And yes, we are doing this for the people. We're doing this and it's it's something that's being done by the people. PAL is a collaborative movement, which means this is not a Yaira project. And I think Jennifer might attest to the fact that I always emphasize this is not a Yaira project. This is a community project. This is a community movement. And it will only succeed once or when we get the community involved, which is the approach we've been taking. So feel free to reach out to us if you want to be involved, even if you have questions, you're curious about something, but understand that we are not trying to create something and hand it to you. We are trying to work with you to create something sustainable for all of us. I think the the mission of the PAL project to keep the history and culture alive for Black and Pan-African um, communities is very important and, and has been important. But I think as of now, during this time of all that we're going through with equity and justice in our country and in our world, it's an even timelier initiative that, that we need to take a hold of. And I'm just um, happy to be part of the project. I think that it is cool how your team definitely expanded at Give Back Hack just a few months ago. And Yaira, I know that you said that if people were interested in getting involved, that you would welcome that. Are there any specific types of people, whether that be people who have a specific skill set or a mindset that you're currently looking to add to your team? Definitely, if you are good with outreach, community building, partnerships, that's great. Baseline, be very open-minded, be open to learning because that's what this entire thing has been. If you love connecting and meeting with other people and building relationships and knowing how to sustain relationships, please connect with us. If you are very big in social media, you know how to handle these things. <laughs> yes, please reach out to us. We could use some help. If you are knowledgeable in the different cultures, especially the different black cultures, both in the, the U.S. and outside of the United States, please, we'll be more than happy to have that addition to what we're doing. Even if, if you like to just support as a cheerleader, you like to support with your resources, I forgot to mention PAL Project is actually a nonprofit and deliberately so we can focus on the mission of the project. So if you like to support us both in cash and kind with your expertise, please reach out to us and you can shoot us an email at hello at palproject.africa. We are just one big welcoming family. And again, this is a community movement.
It's not an individual project. We will definitely be sure to tag that email onto the description that is listed with this podcast, as well as their social media and ways that you can get further connected. But with that, Yaira and Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your experiences around advocacy and equity. I really enjoyed our conversation and I can't wait to see what the POW project accomplishes in the future. We would love for our listeners to engage with our other podcast episodes where we will continue to explore topics around volunteering for good, consuming for good, and advocating for good. With that, a reminder that we rise by lifting others. Thanks for tuning in.